tell you, it's Leon B up here. Hi, I'm Amanda Addy. I'm Femi Van Coley. My name is Bonnie O'Demanet. This is the Black and Irish Podcast. This podcast is, is about us getting into the nitty gritty of what it's like growing up as a black and Irish person, growing up with, with a different skin tone in Ireland. Telling the stories, sharing experiences, highlighting racism, pretty much just playing a part in like trying to integrate the black Irish community into the wider Irish society. A weekly chat where we talk about all things race. It's just, you know, bringing someone fascinating on, get them to share the story in their own words, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. A lot of these stories were either experienced by us or they stayed within the community. So we wanted to create a platform where these stories can be shared. This is the Black and Irish Podcast. It's Leon Diop here and I'm this week's host for the Black and Irish Podcast. Before we get into it, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. So I'm a mixed race man hailing from Tala, Dublin. I was born to a white Irish mother and a black Senegalese father. And I know all about the struggles of growing up as a young mixed race man in Ireland. So this week, I'm going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Daffy Orugbo, a young black and Irish man who grew up in Kildare. We would have met each other in Mini University and hit it off straight away as friends. Daffy has some pretty interesting stories to tell about his experiences growing up as a black and Irish man in, in Kildare and then also going into the Irish music scene with Kebby Rex, an interracial hip hop duo. I'm so excited to have Daffy on. He's an incredible person, an incredible speaker. And uh, let's get into it. Tell me a little bit about your, your, your heritage and, you know, about where your family come from. Yeah, sure thing. Um, my family comes from uh, Wari, uh, which is in the Delta State area in Nigeria. Uh, I don't really remember much of, I guess, what Wari was like growing up. I think you have these memories where when you're looking back at them, it's hard to tell what's real or what's imagined. I just remember being on a rooftop and it being so, so hot and like beautiful and kind of overlooking this massive city. Now, mind you, I moved to Ireland when I was two. Um, and I basically lived in Kildare my entire time living in Ireland. Would you know anything about, or have your, your parents ever spoken to you about what it was like for them coming to Ireland or making the decision to move to Ireland? It's obviously not a, a easy decision to make in of itself because you separate yourself from your family, your home. My memory is that my dad kind of came over here first. He worked in a kitchen uh, as a kitchen porter and then like I think like as a sous chef. And just raising money to kind of afford to bring the rest of the family over. So it was like, I think for the classic stuff of a better life and more opportunities. But it was just, it was, I think, from the sounds of it, like an orderous and like long process. You grew up in, in Kill, in Kildare. So tell us about what that was like. When you're such a young age like that, it's kind of hard to to tell what's the difference of it, or if this is weird or... I guess what's regular, this seems like existence, you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's funny because it's almost worse that way where it's like with racism, you can't really tell something's odd if you have no point of reference. So like you can't tell, you can't really tell for a while you've been treated as an outsider if all you've been treated as, all you've experienced is that kind of, that otherness, you know? So mm. it's, it's really tricky to kind of try to pinpoint what that means or what that like, what, what it illustrates, because I think I remember like the day I learned that I was black, which I or like that being black meant something kind of universally different. That meant something that's like substantially different to white and not just like a, a superficial thing in terms of right. 
I remember me and my friend, we were in school one time, and I think second class, and we're like, oh, let's pretend to be sick so we can go home. But I just remember it being like um, going home, and my dad was quite annoyed having to pick me up from school, and they made a big deal about it. But just watching TV, and there was this like apartheid movie where um, Whoopi Goldberg was in it. I don't remember the name of the film. I just remember watching that film because it's like daytime television. I mean, like just in absolute horror, just in shock of like, this is a thing. This is how people act. This means yeah. something. And that was quite late in the game, you know. I might have been like seven when I learned that. So then it yeah. reframes all these little incidents or occurrences of people treating you weird as like, oh, that's why. It wasn't because I looked like I was mean or they didn't know me or some other kind of thing. It was because of this this thing that I didn't even think to consider before. Yeah, I had a similar experience in my early years in school, actually. I remember um, my mom telling me that when I when I first started in, in primary school that, you know, I came home and was like, oh, mom, you know, like school is cool and stuff like that. But, you know, there's loads of white kids. There's a couple of black kids, but I'm the only brown kid talking about because I was I was mixed race. I saw myself as not only different to the white kids, but different to the black kids as well. That was a, a bit of a, a bit of a shock to herself because my, my mother was white and she I don't think she was actually anticipating this happening. And it just goes to show that there are moments where kids are made aware of their blackness or of their skin not being white and really thinking about that. You know, it's so funny just because I think like you're, you're dead on there in terms of it's very, it's hard to anticipate what that's going to look like or what it's going to feel like when you're in the thick of it, you know? So in terms of school, I think you look at all these things that are like, they seem relatively normal and not like too bad, you know, like a bit of like bullying there or being called like, you know, chocolate this or whatever. And it's, it's all these like small things, especially in primary school where I think like racism is in many ways, a lot less harmful because it's a lot less uh, nuanced. It's very like, it's like a, uh, it's like a sledgehammer type thing. And these like small things that are just like very surface level, which is, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that. Mind you now, I was the only black kid in my class in primary school. Right. And like, I never, I don't know, because I'm the type of person that is, like, active and talkative, all that kind of stuff. So I felt like an outsider, but I didn't feel super isolated in that kind of way. So I think for the most part, primary school wasn't too bad. I think senior schools were the more kind of nuance and self-viewing and, like, more, I guess, complicated ways of viewing race and yourself became a lot yeah. more evident in terms of how you got treated in class, how you, like, felt about yourself outside of class. You know, pr- primary school having those couple of surface level incidents where people, you know, yeah, they make silly slurs or whatever. They probably don't even know what they mean. But then when you get into secondary school, when they know what they mean and if they're trying to, I suppose, really get at you that they can. Um, and I know secondary school would have been a time for myself where identity would have then really like or, or that, you know, search for identity really would have ramped up for myself. It's 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 a very it's a very subtle thing I think being a black person in a country that's so predominantly white because you think of like even if you were to compare it to the U S you know which is like it's still very much predominantly white I think there are parts of black culture that are reflected a lot more heavily in the U S whether it be in sports or music or your president I think it's just like they're more visible. But in Ireland, it's like it's it it doesn't exist. It hasn't existed until very recently, and even the parts yeah. that it's still very like hard to find. I remember I was watching normal people 
And uh, I, I was quite calm on the fact that there was this like black kids in the background of the show in secondary school, which is like something that wouldn't have been seen in an Irish TV show how many years ago, you know? Yeah. So I think it's this weird thing where you're either in one or two positions. You're like, you're trying so hard to assimilate that you kind of like slowly start to hate yourself for the things that make you make yeah. you black, which is, I think, definitely the case for me, where it's like, you just want to be normal and fit in and be regular and acceptable. And it almost subtly, you don't realize how you're like morphing or adapting or changing yourself to be those things. And, yeah. Or it could take the averse where it's like, where you're grasping for this thing of black identity and you're trying to do opposite. You're trying to up, up the, the element of being black and who you are as an individual, but you can't find the places to go for that or the people to look for in that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're talking about a black Irish hero and you were growing up in Ireland 10 years ago, who are you looking at? Who are you going to? You know, I find yeah. that that it's tough either way. Like assimilate yourself and trying to hide your blackness is difficult and a terrible thing to do. It's not healthy for you, but then even trying to identify your blackness and find spaces to experience and like carry out is also rare in Ireland. You know, I say the only all black thing in this country is redeemed church, and that's it. That's the only other thing where you see yourselves yeah. as the majority. Nowhere else in this yeah. country is that the case. I would have went through that assimilation, trying to fit in with the white kids more so than than other groups. You know, I I, I remember a couple of key incidents, you know, trying to take my mom's GHD and straighten my own hair, which was going to always be difficult because you know, I've, I've, I've quite coarse Afro hair. Um, you know, I'm just being like looking at all the, the lads with mullets and stuff like that and fringes and how they're able to dye them pink or, you know, straighten them and stuff like that and look really cool and thinking, you know, oh, like, why can't I do that? Why can't I look like that? Why does when my hair grow, it grows out into a ball and people can call me microphone head and make fun of me and, and, and stuff like that. And all I wanted to do was, was to have a mullet. I remember and like another time Mohawks were a thing. And I remember going to the barbers and being like, look, can, can you give me a Mohawk please? And the barber just looked at me and was like, was like that, that won't suit you. Like that won't suit your hair. And I was just devastated. I was like, so I was like, oh, fine, I'll get a two on top and one on the sides that I always got, you know, because a two made my hair look straight, where if anything above a two, my yeah. hair starts to curl. So, but I just remember like thinking, you know, I, I really want to be able to do that with my hair, but it's not, it's not possible. Um, uh, can I just ask like really quickly, just moving before we move off the topic of school, did you have to read any books in in, in school? Like, or like in class, like did, I, I had to do To Kill a Mockingbird. I did a uh, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, fire book, fire book. Amazing. Right. <laughs> He enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it was so good. I, but it's it made me <laughs> some of those things made you kind of angry at white people for a week, man. Because you're just like, oh man, y'all suck. Like for yeah. real, it's how it's how you was moving. But it's um, <laughs> I th- I think I think those books are like such a good example of like the kind of important education you need to like give kids in school. But all those things yeah. as well frame racism as a past tense and not like a present tense. And so maybe yeah. that's the problem where like Willowton emphasizes. It's so important, the time and setting of the place. That's in yeah. of itself almost a character in the book and you explore the themes of this time and this setting. And like, I think it was Mississippi. So it was like, pick the most racist state in America and the time the race, race is like tension was sky high and write a book there. But I think 
if if you're also like doing that, that kind of stuff in the curriculum, I think schools should totally introduce books like in set in 2018 in like, you know, very seemingly or perceived not to be racist areas. Like kids should have to watch Get Out or maybe not Get Out because it's like an 18 movie or something. <laughs> it's like but like, movie. <laughs> okay, maybe not that, but like, <laughs> I think it's like more recent stories. I think that's sure. where you realize that like people are still suffering and dealing with stuff on a day to day. Yeah, I have memories of reading *To Kill a Mockingbird* in school, and I felt like, you know, like I, I was always the one that was having to read or being asked to read and stuff like that. And like I can remember people, you know, kind of turning their heads when they knew something was coming up, or you know, like I knew it was coming up. You you could hear like the kind of like muffled laughters and stuff like that when it was said. It was just oh, it was dreadful. I would love to see, yeah, like you said, more kind of stuff being added to the curriculum that kind of brings it to a, a present day thing and that's not you know this is something that happened in the past and sure look aren't we all right now have you ever had any like incidents that were like in your face racist that you reflect back on now and you're like wow that was actually like quite quite disturbing or quite upsetting Leon truly truly like countless you know and it wasn't the kind of thing where like at the time I was like this is okay it's okay for me to be walking in town and someone's just stick out their like stick their head out their car window mind you I'm 15 or 16 at the time and like you know scream like you know, effing, you know, N-word, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like with the heart or like really going for it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it came for someone to like, in a nightclub, be like, oh, what are you looking at? You monkey. I'm like, huh? And then swing on you to punch you, to fight like. Yeah. But I think as you get older, you just realize, because when you're young, I think humans, especially, I think especially like black people who are minority in a country, you're built to see, you're built and focused on surviving, right? It's like, yeah. It's not even about improving. You don't even consider improving the situation for yourself. You're just considering surviving and Getting making it, it as far as you can, as best as you can. Yeah, someone trying to punch me on night out isn't going to kill me, but I shouldn't have to deal with that. I shouldn't have to be yeah. small or meek or passive just to exist in certain spaces. That sucks, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I do and I can relate to that, you know, trying to just be as quiet as possible and just not make a scene not draw attention to yourself because you just don't want things to to kick off or something to be said to you where you feel like you're in a position where you have to defend yourself growing up in, in Tala it was around any corner at any moment you could have overt racism just in your face you know I've been called the n-word I, I actually can't count the amount of times not not just you know on the streets after school or anything like that but in sports matches for the school team, playing GAA matches as well. Like it was, it was, you were never really safe from it. It could get you at any time. It, it could just appear. Do you know what I mean? When, when you least expect it. Like I've had bottles thrown at me. I've seen my friends have like be, be attacked with like weapons and stuff like that. And it's, it's been only like based on what, because I'm a different skin tone. Really? Like it's, it's, it is. It's so crap, like, do you know what I mean? And I definitely think that a lot more needs to be done in that space of educating young people that people who are different skin color to you, they're not different to you at all. The only thing that's different is is levels of pigmentation in their in their skin. We we, we would have met in college, we would have became, you know, really good friends, would have moved in together and everything right, like that. Right. 
would you have had any experiences in in those years that that would stand out to you? Obviously, I think Manute's great because like you've seen yourself represented by people that look like you or at the very least associate with you. You know what I'm saying? Like if like the sure. president of the SU is black, that speaks to something. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. if like the the I think the welfare officer is like let's say LGBTQ. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the first LGBTQ authority figure I've ever seen in my life. You know, like that's amazing. If you're from those communities, it means so much. And then there was the house that we were going to move into, um, where we knew the students that were there. And we, we went to view the room, the twin room. Um, you know, like, I think I, I was speaking to the, the landlord over the phone and like, obviously my name is, you know, it's Leon, like, you know, I didn't give a second name. I'm sure most people, when they speak to me over the phone, they, they may think that I'm, I'm white or whatever. So they're like, oh yeah, the room is available. Like, yeah, let's, you know, yeah, c- come on, have a look at it. And I remember when the two of us showed up, just the, the kind of like shift in energy <laughs> and just, it's just been like a case Vibes of- Vibes yeah, the vibe. Yeah, the vibe was completely off. We were in and out of that house in like five minutes. It was a case of, oh yeah, the room's there if you wanted to. Oh, I'll I'll have a think about it. And I remember us being contacted saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm giving it to family members. But we we knew the students in the house, and what what ended up transpiring yeah. was the landlord had asked the students, "Do you mind living with foreigners?" And one of the students, we didn't know all all the students out, but one of the students in the house said that they wouldn't feel comfortable. And then all of a sudden we were out of the house. And I think being turned away from a house because of your skin tone is is disgusting. Like it's it's awful to have to go I, through and know that other people go through it as well. I mean, I went to view one time and they were like, I me and this black girl happened to show up at the same time. I'm like, oh, no room sharing. I'm like, I don't know who she is. She's just another black person at our house view. We don't we don't know each other. Yeah. But yeah, look, I think it's so funny that you're one said, would you mind living with, and I, it, it speaks, you talk about it just being skin color and pigmentation. Like, do you mind living with foreigners? It's like, how are me and Leon foreign? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Leon grew up in Tyler his whole life, is in the SU. I think you were like the, uh, you were the communications officer, you were yeah, the promotion yeah. officer at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And me, who's like, lily white Kildare fella, entirely from Kildare, like from the yeah. area that we're looking to move it into. And it's like, it's like somehow pigmentation is now scary and foreign, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is just so, it's, it's, it's so bizarre because it's just, it's this fear of this thing that's just like, it's just not there. It's not as like weird or as odd as you think it's going to be or any of that. It's just so, it's so illegitimate, you know? And, yeah. and it has to bug you because it, it means that like, I think I grew up my whole life thinking if you do things correctly, if you're, if you're polite, if you're nice, if you're respectable, if you're charismatic, if you're a good person, you can overcome things like racial bias and hate. But you can't because sure, it doesn't yeah. matter like where you're from or what you do or what kind of person you like or what you sound like over the phone. Because if they decide based on that one thing alone, it's done. There's nothing you can do to That's overcome it. that yeah. yourself personally. It's, it's a personal thing that they have to overcome. It's not on you or me, you know? are now part of Tebby Rex, an interracial hip-hop duo from, from Kildare. Some would say, and, and I would agree, Ireland's number one. You know, <laughs> what, what, what's, it, what's it been like in, in the Irish music scene as, as a black person? Like, 
if, if you're doing something like hip hop, which is what we do, um, in Ireland, it's tough. You know, I think you, you're doing a genre, uh, I guess the historically black genre of music in a country that like hasn't been the most welcoming or accepting of it until like, you know, very recent years. You know, sure. I think it was super hard to get gigs when we first started off because it's like, hey, we only take bands. We only take acoustic singers. We don't want you guys rapping here. Like to a point where we would have to go to like spoken word gigs or, or like poetry gigs sure. and just start rapping. You know, just like start rapping at them just to get some kind of practice. Like we wouldn't even tell people we show up with a guitar and be like, hey, by the way, we're rapping. And they're like, uh, uh, and you just go on stage and you you do your thing. You know, you like get your start there. But it's weird. It's weird because I find that anytime we do something like a national stage, I remember we, we did a late, late show, right? Did yeah. a late, late show with the Blizzards. Shout out to the boys. I, I remember there's so many of the Twitter comments was like, yeah, good performance. I don't know why that black fellow is there though. Like, cause I had a verse on it. They're like, I, I didn't need that there in that song. Like, get rid of that guy. Get rid of this thing. You know, it's like, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> this this by virtue of me being there, I ruined the whole song. Like, the, yeah. it was fire up until I opened my mouth. Like, that's tough. Yeah, that's that's tough commentary. You know what I'm saying? Like what? What? What do you think we need to do in, in Ireland to to like make it a more, I suppose, equal and you know inclusive place? Look, I think it's all about just communication, as like as boring and unimaginative as that sounds. But I think that's the only way to get through to people. I think it's about hearing these human stories, having this human element of things like you might not be aware of. Like if you perceive yourself not to be a racist person. You might not think about race on a day-to-day basis, which is like good that you would, for what you're not being like harmfully racist or bigoted towards people, but also it means like you're not thinking objectively or critically about how maybe even if you are not failing, like how people in your life might be failing or the kind yeah. of their misdeeds and misgivings. You know what I'm saying? Like every, I feel every other month I'm learning something new, mm-hmm. a new facet about a, a community I didn't understand or know about before, and it's like think that information sharing with as many people as possible so that's the only way to do it it's like to talk to people i know the amount of people who are like racist and said dicey things when we were in secondary school who have either taken the time to message me and apologize or yeah. who are like completely different people now in like their mid or early 20s and that's good like it doesn't obviously erase any kind of hurt caused when you were younger it doesn't automatically make things okay but it's yeah. good to see people growing. That's the only way that you get that kind of growth is having these necessary, awkward conversations sometimes, you know? Education is going to be a huge factor in this as well. You know, and, and you touched on that, people going out of the way to learn about other communities and learn about what they, they might go through. People can change and people can grow. And I think people need to be afforded the opportunity to be able to grow and understand that what they may have said in the past was was shady or was a bit shaky or, or that they they shouldn't have said it, essentially practically helping to solve the problem of racism, helping like the country to kind of grow and develop past that. I think the key thing you got to do is you got to listen to black voices, engage with black voices as much as you can, you know? So it's all very well and good, you know, listening to music and stuff like that. But if there's no black people in your life and you never like really engage with a black person, like, 
that can be a problem in terms of understanding the real nuances of a lived experience. Because all me and Leon can do yeah. is talk about what we've gone through. There's people who've gone through worse, there's people who've gone through less. So I think if you can go to any talks, listen to maybe podcasts, look, look at people who are like, I think like the Black and Irish page is doing a great job on this. Look at people like Leon who are spending a lot of time to educate people on this. And then outside of just having personal conversations is also be willing to shift your viewpoint. And I guess be meanable to change because that's the main thing, right? I think if you truly believe something and you have a good grasp of understanding of something, even if just one person in your circle gets it, you're going to pass that on to somebody. You know, I think if you listen yeah. to this podcast, you're already making an effort to improve and grow. But I think it's important for you to spread that to people you know. So that's why I think. So that wraps up things for this week's episode of the Black and Irish podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. Next week, catch Amanda chatting to Sophia Coro. In the meantime, if you want to catch us on Instagram, check out black underscore and Irish, where you can see weekly episodes of the Black and Irish story. I'm Leon. Catch you next time.